Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. This is the Curious and Podcast. We're here today with another episode of Curious Muse. Curious Muse, where we explore various topics across the world and share them with you and our perceptions. Now, I am Jermaine, and I am your host, and I'm joined by my wonderful and amazing co-host, Marky. How are you feeling, Mark? I'm, I'm great. Um, I wanted to make uh, the people listening aware that uh, they are in the presence of a great social influencer, Mr. Jermaine Gregory. And um, uh, I think sometimes people look for heroes and leaders in our community. And there's one here on your podcast that you're listening to, if you choose to acknowledge what's in front of your ears. So good evening and good afternoon and good morning. Iron sharpens iron. Well, okay. Stone, stone actually sharpens iron, but we won't go there. All right. Either way, either way. Right. <laughs> so, um, let's get into it then. There's a lot. Oh my gosh. There, there is a lot, so but, 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 but I'm going to take you very left of centre at the moment to start off with. If that's all right with you, Jermaine. Go. Cool. Today, or this month, is the annual um, length of a conflict that's been going on around the world. Were you aware of that? Mm-hmm. Where am I talking about? Ethiopia. Yeah. I, I, I'm surprised and not surprised, given everything else that we cover, how the conflict is being A, ignored and B, covered. So I wanted to make it our headline uh, news today because I'm, I'm very, very, very disappointed that throughout my lifetime, conflicts like this have been systematically ignored by news media. I mean, you consider there is huge amounts of news media in Africa generally. So it's not like they're not there and they're not aware. And many, many people in news media cut their teeth and continue to cut their teeth in war zones. So again, not a reason not to be covering it. What's your take on this on this one-year conflict? I saw um, a comment yesterday from the president uh, mm-hmm. who I think oh, recently, in recent years, in the last four or five years, I believe. Um, he won a Nobel Peace Prize. Um, a lot, yeah. I I was unaware of this. Um, there were numerous Nobel Peace Prize winners that I'm just completely oblivious to because it's seemingly something that doesn't really tend to touch the, the sort of mainstream or kind of really raise its head above water. Um, if it fades and sits in the background. Um, He made some comments yesterday that were quite concerning for me, considering he's a Nobel Peace Prize winner. Um, Far away, far away. He, he, and I'm going to paraphrase, he basically said that he will effectually um, eliminate anyone that stands in the government's way. Okay. And, and, and um, if I'm right, there was a, a, a term or a word that included blood, bloodshed. Okay. Um, 
quite severe words. Yeah, and there's reasons why. There's reasons why. Right. But there's there's reasons why he's using severe words. Mm -hmm. And the Mm. reasons he's using severe words is the lopsided way that the conflict is being presented. Mm -hmm. See, the media, the West, etc., like to portray the conflict that's happening there as a battle between a group of people in one part of the country that's seeking freedom and the Ethiopian government, which at times has tendencies to deny the freedoms of certain um, wannabe autonomous regions in the country. This is sounding very familiar. Okay. Yeah, I thought you might say that. I thought you might. I mean, you could even refer it to England if you wanted and say you know, <laughs> Scotland and Wales and Ireland. But uh, I'll leave that aside for the moment because we don't want to be sidetracked. Um, lots of people have been displaced. Lots of refugees have gone to neighbouring countries to get away, away from this conflict. And it's a conflict that's actually been going on for about 19 years. And there's a group of fighters in Tigria called mm-hmm. something like the TPLF or something. And they are quite brutal and quite um, um, power hungry, for want of a better word. So that the people in Ethiopia, and I've been listening to a couple of um, sessions of people talking about this from Ethiopia. I mean, from the region, so not just from Ethiopia, from Asmara as well, for example. Now, uh, Asmara has had huge conflicts with the Ethiopian government. Uh, when I say Asmara, I mean the Eritrean people. They've had huge conflicts with the Ethiopian government in the past, yet both are standing together against the Tigrayan people. And it's not the Tigrayan people, it's the Tigrayan People's Liberation Front, which in, in theory is claiming its lands are being eroded by the Ethiopian and Eritrean governments. But actually, they are pushing to try and conquer Addis Ababa, the capital of Ethiopia. So actually, their aim is not independence. Their aim is uh, to rule the country. Usurp government, effectively. Yeah, and they are getting support. This is kind of the insurrection. Yeah, and they are getting, yes, exactly. And they are getting support a, from the Sudanese people on some level, but more importantly, from America. And none of this is being reported. Mm. None of this is being reported. So that on the day that Degria made an agreement with the Americans was the day they started the conflict. So what's happening is we're being presented with a, a picture of people fighting for their freedom. When in reality, what they're trying to do is grab control of the country. And you will find in that region, I'm going to say that whole region generally, if not Africa generally, but certainly in that region, and certainly the Horn of Africa sort of region. But, and what we saw recently with Afghanistan as well, is that there are different vested interests that take different sides. Now, if I, well, the next thing I'm going to say to you will sound familiar, or it should sound familiar, in the Afghanistan conflict, if I just let me say one sentence to you and then you can by all means come in. Today or this week, the Turkish government has said they will help the government in Addis Ababa, the Ethiopian government. 
Does that ring any bells for you at all? That sounds... <laughs> Turkey. Yeah. Does okay. it ring any bells to things that we've covered in Curious News in the past? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So in Afghanistan and in Syria, the Turkish government take a side. Mm. And their side is very often diametrically opposed to, let's say, for example, the Iranian side. And these are the two big players in that whole region, both in Africa and the Middle East. You know, the, these are the two middle level players. Yeah? Okay, I got it. So that the bigger powers can then come on on their side. Like, so for example, Russia will go against Turkey. And then, for example, maybe America will go with Turkey. You know, so you get all different sort of um, conundrums building up. Intersection. I mean, do, do you remember the, I mean, we, we did this at school, I'm sure you learned it at school, the, the start of the First World War? Vaguely, yes. So what, what caused the First World War was... Um, the, uh, the Pope, wasn't it? No, 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 no. No, it was the it was the death, it was the assassination of Archduke Ferdinand. That's it. Yes, yes. But who <laughs> were, who who was Archduke Ferdinand? Are you gonna answer that or do you want me to? Sorry, because <laughs> you left a silence. So Archduke Ferdinand. If I, I, can't, I think I'm right. I'm, I might be. Wrong, but I've got a feeling he was the Austrian equivalent of Prince Charles. Right, okay. I'm not 100% certain it was Austria, but I haven't got the facilities to look it up at the moment, but it, it, it was something like this. And, and just on a point there, um, it's fascinating to hear about the prince and princesses and kings and queens of, of well, in this case, the prince of another country. Um, well, well, across um, Europe, Often the kings and queens are very interrelated, as we've talked about before, with, for example, mm-hmm. the Russian, German, and British aristocracy. So that's fine. But but for the moment, mm-hmm. stay with the program. So yeah, 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 sure, sure. I'm I'm just just signing signing He was he was having a honeymoon or a I can't remember if it was a honeymoon or he was celebrating his engagement to uh, 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 another high-ranking uh, uh, monarch monarch person. And he decided to take her to, um, he might have been Hungarian actually. Yeah, I think he was Hungarian. He, he decided to take her to Belgrade for their their honeymoon or, or whatever you call it. Um, right. Now, the Hungarians had really upset the um, uh, uh, who are the people? Uh, Bosnians, the Bosnians. Uh, by by taking away their land, like very similar to what was going on under the civil war in in after Tito left in Yugoslavia, so there was a sort of like sort of so the, the he'd, they'd angered these people, and instead of going somewhere completely different for their honeymoon, they decided to go to the region that they were most hated in, <laughs> right into the the lions yeah. there. And then the story is that these guys uh, had a plan to assassinate him to get them out of their country. Not just them, but I mean, the, the, you know, the, politically, the, to get them out for good out of the country. Yeah. And then they plant the bomb, 
and it didn't go off properly or only a few people got hurt not the people they intended so they were about to go home and one of the fellas whose name always is forgotten because he's such a minor detail even though he was the most important player uh, went to um, a shop to buy some cigarettes and at that time they rerouted the path of the royal car and it had to come past that shop when he was coming out he saw the Archduke Ferdinand and he shot him and killed him and that caused the slow of, of, the, of the First World War but you won't hear the names of Bosnia, Yugoslavia, Hungary in the major players in the First World War they are the bit parts they're like the pawns that then set it up for the bigger pieces and this is what we're getting here now and we've had in Syria and we've had in uh, Afghanistan who are the people behind the people? Who are the people that supply the weaponry and the planes and the, and the war? Who is actually supplying the war? Because these people have not got weapons to have the kind of wars that they're having. Yeah. So if you listen to the conflict now, when you go back and you listen to the conflict in Ethiopia and Tigria now, there's a lot of bombing and sort of hard level military weaponry being used, which these countries don't have. So who's supplying it is your question. Indeed, that is and what is their goal at the end of it so what do they hope to achieve now we've said in the past for example and we know for example that china is forever uh, increasing its presence in africa mm-hmm. to the point that certain other countries are feeling a little bit their nose is a little bit out of joint let's say mm-hmm. yeah and mm-hmm. so we can see a reason why certain countries might want to get involved in this conflict and in the conflict in Sudan and in the conflict in Afghanistan. You can see why they might want to take sides in this. Right. I'm just painting a picture and it's a picture that 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 first of all explains why this is taking place. Um, I'll never forget the start of the first Iran um, Iraq war and it all started when Iraq marched into Kuwait over oil and there was a thing that every year they moved into Kuwait and every year Kuwait would then bring the prices of oil up because they'd lowered them. So uh, uh, Iraq, um, Iraq didn't want them to lower them because they, they, that was their main uh, source of income. Whereas Kuwait had much more money. So therefore for them, it wasn't a problem if you sell oil at much cheaper prices, but for Iraq, it was a problem. So they marched their army up to the border. Kuwait had no proper army. And every time Kuwait would lower, would higher the price again. And then one year it refused to, and no one knew why. And that started the conflict. And it was because America said, to them, don't lower it this time. Mm-hmm. I mean, don't hire it this time, sorry, don't hire it this time. And that started the war. So these things, you know, they're accentuated by certain chess-like political moves. Yeah. And this is what's happening now in this country. And what I'm saying to you is, this conflict's been going on for a year. How many times have we ever spoken about it on Curious Muse, as an example? so many really okay i'd like you to find those episodes for me so many um <clears throat> i wanted to just touch on this point right here because this 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 episode is being recorded one during uh cop 26 yes indeed which is all about 
the global north-south divide. Absolutely. Restoring the environment, renewables, energy, all of that. Remember a few weeks ago, we had the, the gas crisis, mm -hmm. right? We had the petrol pumps situation. Mm -hmm. Next year, we're looking forward to a 50% hike in our utility bills, mm -hmm. um, at least. Who knows what electricity and, and everybody else is planning. Um, the real thing that stands out for me is continuously throughout history, and you have, have very articulately explained the process of what happened um, during significant periods of time that triggered certain events that have been now announced to be or known as world wars or, or large scale conflicts. Um, yeah. One of the familiar themes around uh, Britain's history or the West's history um, in regards to colonization and the ideas around imperialism, etc., is that a lot of what happened seems to be annexed. And when I say annexed, annexed out to other countries. So, oh, right, okay. During yeah, slavery, uh, Britain didn't really participate in slavery on its own land, right? But what they did was they arranged everything else for everybody else. Well, I mean, I mean, if you go back before that, the first thing that Britain did in terms of colonisation was always to encourage the Scottish and Irish and Welsh farmers to go out and take land, masses of land in Australia and, and Africa and, and all sorts of places. That's, you, that's why you have the legacy of um, those people still having um, lineage in those countries. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> and, and I remember when I went to, to work in Zimbabwe, I remember seeing people who wouldn't have got a job in a garage here, running garages in Zimbabwe. So to me, it was very, very uh, obvious that, that this was a ploy to get um, like um, more than just that you've been there. Because like, for example, Holland conquered loads of countries, but there's not so much except for South Africa and a couple of places in, in the Pacific where there's not so much of a legacy there that Holland actually has been there. You'd know it from the history and you'd know it from some of the events and the buildings, but you wouldn't know it from the people that live there, if you know what I'm saying. Like, for example, Goa in, in, in India, there's that one region that is, uh, for example, Portuguese. Right. But generally speaking, when you go around the world, the places people, these people conquered, there isn't really a people that have lived there since then, so to speak. Mm. Whereas with the English, you can see that systematically. They, they saw it as a ploy to... It's almost like putting your flag on the moon and stuff. Yeah. You know, yeah, that sort of thing. So that that's important because because then the arguments about independence become confused, like they did in South Africa, for example, because, hold on, what do we do with these whites that are living here? Mm -hmm. You know, so it becomes... It deliberately becomes... It's muddying the water. It's confusing the issue. And the same thing's happening in all the places we're talking now. And the other thing I want to talk to you about is monies. It's really interesting how, as a world community, as Britain, find money when they want it and can't find it when other people want it, if you know what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. So, for example, one of the things that came out of, what's it called? Crap 20, uh, 26 or whatever. Thank yeah. you, sorry. Sorry, I forgot the name. So um, far, there's still over a week left. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but um, one of the things that's come out of this discussion 
is that there was a promise made in Paris. Was it six years ago? I can't remember how long the previous one was. was there was a promise. Was it 2014 or something? Yeah, so what's that? So seven, six or seven yeah, years seven, ago. Years. Anyway, so there was a promise that the rich countries of the of the upper hemisphere would, would ensure monies were sent to the poorer countries to cover the fact that they would be losing out if they immediately changed from all the things they were doing. For example, coal mining, um, deforestation, etc. So to stop that happening, the West, the, the, West you know, the, 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 the countries of the, of the, let's say, Northern Hemisphere agreed to pay a certain amount of monies so they could be covered by 2020. Right. Now, already they've said, in cop out 26, already they've said, that will now be moved to 2020, uh, 2023. No, it's not 2000. It's, I don't think it's this soon. It's 220. Yeah. 220. Where are we now? We're in 2021. Yeah, so there's going to be... Two, like 2030 or something. Like yeah, yeah, I think it's something like it's that. Anyway, it's, they're basically extending it to three more years instead of the date they said. Yeah. And yet they find money for other things as and when, they, like if there was a conflict tomorrow, they would find money for it. That whole business in, in Afghanistan, they found money for mm-hmm. right? So I'm confused about this idea that there is or isn't money for these things. Yeah, and, and take our government in this country. So they can't find money to, to, to cover the fact that people have been for two years in this kind of um, not working environment. So instead of helping people out, We've got gas companies putting their prices up. We've got cuts to benefits. We've got increasing taxation for people who are working. And yet, other things, they suddenly find money immediately for if they need it. Mm. So they must think we're really stupid or have got very, very bad memories to not acknowledge what they're doing here. You know, so so, so you and I have spoken many times about how much money they found for the friend of the, one of the wives of one of the MPs for, for test and trace equip, you know, uh, equipment that never, ever happened. But in the end, the NHS, which they're running down and hasn't got a lot of money, had to cover. And now they haven't got money to pay the NHS anything or to pay, increase the nurses. And yet they find money when they need it. So Boris has already made some pledges at the conference after telling Britain he had no money. Don't you find any of this confusing? It's really confusing. It's almost as if... <laughs> They're printing it. <laughs> it's a double agent or something. Yeah. Like, there's, there's, there's two characters playing Boris. There's the really, like, um, clumsy, whatever, the, the clown type, and then there's this one that, that yeah. <laughs> seemingly yeah, wants I don't to like to. Charge. I don't like to personalize it to Boris. It's the whole system so it doesn't yeah. matter who would be in the power say if it was you they still insist that you do it and this way and this is the beauty of all of this because it exists everywhere as you were speaking as you were speaking earlier um i'm hearing northern ireland that conflict. yes yeah yeah i'm hearing also um so hold on with the northern ireland uh, conflict you do remember when theresa may gave what was it, one, one billion pounds to nine MPs to vote with her? Right, right. This was right. after telling us there was no magic money tree. Remember that she said there's no magic money tree and suddenly we found money. <laughs> but there's another one. And I want to talk about the thing today that was very important was 
to save face, the, the MP involved has, has now resigned. But the actual scenario, oh, that's what but also the scenario that got set up, he was earning £80,000 a year as an MP. Mm-hmm. Now, MPs are acknowledging that's not enough for them to live on. And they're taxing people that are earning between fifteen and 30000 increasing the national, the national insurance uh, taxation to pay for care homes, when this is the kind of money these people are earning. So if I'm an MP, I earn £80,000 as my job. I then I have the entitlement to use, uh, what's it called, petty cash or whatever you want to call it? Um, Expensing. Ex- thank you, expenses. Up to a certain amount before I have to even declare what I've done. So I'm entitled to use, let's say, 10,000 before I, no, let's say, I don't know, 5,000 before I even have to announce it. Right? So that's that as well. On top of that, this guy then had a job. You know, we talked a few months back about, um, what was the guy's name, the Labour leader, Tony Tony Blair. But he was working in an industry, a job where he was a conflict of interest for him. He was getting information from the government, trying to push his company to the top of the list. Yes. Do you remember this when yes. we talked about this? So, so this guy was working for a company where he was earning one hundred and twenty-two thousand pounds as their rep to get certain things across the line. Now, I'm asking you if he's an MP earning eighty thousand and he earns one hundred twenty thousand for this company, who's he really representing? That's a really, really good question. You got a really good answer because because it's. <laughs> I mean, what was it? It was 80K and it was 120K. I yeah. Mean, but what know, I'm saying is, if, if he's if we're paid... Talking like, if we were talking, like, uh, percentages, it would be something like 38%. But his 38%, <laughs> like right? his 38% um, is the money he gets paid to represent his constituency. Right. right? So, then, for example... Well, hold on. Before we get to the other money, let's just talk about this. One. The 38% is what he's meant to be doing. That's his professional career. Right. He's not, he's not working with that. He would not be working with that company if he wasn't an MP. The fact that he's an MP is why they employed him. So his initial uh, uh, obligation, whatever you want to call it, is initially to being an MP and serving his community. So let's say you became the MP for Croydon. You're you're being paid 80000 to represent that community. That means going to Parliament every day. That means meeting with constituents, etc., trying to avoid being shot or stabbed by them. You know, and that's your that's your priority. But this guy's now being paid 120000 to do what that interrupts all that? Mm. Do you understand what I mean? So is that not a conflict of interests? Absolutely. And and I think that this is supposedly the thing that is supposed to be it's it, it's questionable, right? That the whole conflict of interest thing what we have is is companies who have invested interest in particular right. ideologies aligning themselves with MPs. MPs are seemingly quite open to this. Now, when we talk about lobbying government, there's all kinds of organisations out there. Now, what what was the company connected? Hold on, Jermaine. Don't you think then that it should be like motor racing? It should be advertised, right? They should have to wear whoever they're, they're representing. So their their, their their suits should have the yeah. lapels and logos of the various companies they're representing. So you can see who's bribing them. 
Oh my gosh, you're talking about the commercialization of government now. Well, no, but I'm saying it's already happening. We just can't see it. There's <laughs> yeah. any differences? We're not seeing the advertising. Right. It's so it's, yeah, yeah. You're it's actually obvious. in the dark at the moment because you're not. You don't want to see it. But I mean, if you actually want to see it, let's see who's really paying these people. So, for example, if there's a bill to stop fox hunting, let's see how many of them are actually sponsored by fox hunting companies, whatever. Yeah, yeah. Let's have a genuine open thing so we can see who these people are. Because you see, the problem is at the moment, it's that, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm using my conscience. I think it'd be really good for carry on this sport. There's a national uh, thing for 200. No, 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 no. Let's see who's really funding you. Don't give me that. Let's see who's really funding you. Let's be honest about this. We have to be. I can't go to a job and, and not declare certain things. And, and if, I, if they found out, for example, I was, a, let's say, imagine I went for a job interview and I, and I told them I was a member of um, uh, Insulate Britain or whatever it's called, yeah? That, I probably wouldn't get past the interview. Yeah, these people can do all this stuff and no one questions them. And then on top of that, to make it even worse, Jermaine, the House of Parliament voted, even though this guy had already been found guilty of, of, of questionable um, tactics in how he said, he'd already been in front of a House committee, been found guilty, MPs then voted to not sack him. Now this caused a, a huge scandal yesterday. Huge scandal. It did. This is because, it did. because why did it cause a scandal? Because if you can, so far what's happened is Great Britain has tried to get itself out of the European um, uh, courts, so that it doesn't have to listen to the European courts. Can you and imagine? That, and now it doesn't have to listen to the its own laws in the House of Parliament anyway. If they want someone else to keep, let's say, stay, keep their job, all the laws go out the window. Can you imagine being able to wield that kind of power? Can you imagine if people you know, or I know, who went to court could have that kind of support, backing? Right. So that, that you turn to the judge and say, sorry, judge, just for today, that law doesn't count. Imagine, <laughs> I, imagine I killed someone and they go, just for today, because it's marking the court, let's just not have any consequence yeah. for murder. Just for today. No, well, Let's uh, wrap this up and Mark, you can leave out the back door. Exactly that. Yeah, exactly that. And then everyone complains. And then so what happens? I resign. And what was interesting about the way he resigned today was he said, I'm resigning from the cruelty of politics. <laughs> so you've broken every law under the sun and you're complaining about the cruelty as in people, i.e. people pointing out that you've done. Wow. And then on top of it, this guy had the gall, and I, I find this really, really offensive. He had the gall to bring up the memory of his wife who committed suicide this year. And I think you can't do corrupt practices and then bring in your wife, Hold who on. isn't even here to defend herself. Hold on. Wow. That, that's a real emotional tug there. And it's a, it's a real low. Just bringing the, dead, the memory of your dead wife. That's a real low. He sort of says something like, "Well, everything's been grey since she since she killed herself." First of all, we don't know why she killed herself. Secondly, we don't know what role he had in, if any. I don't know. I, I'm not making any, I'm not making excursions. I'm just saying we don't know any of this. But then to bring it up as a as a, a way to bleed the emotion out of the press, yeah, I find quite disgusting. I find it quite interesting. If you go back to the beginning of our 
our podcast today, the same press that misrepresents what's going on in Ethiopia. So this is this is really un, uncomfortable, and um, it leaves a bad taste how we're being we're being played, and people on the whole are accepting. And it's really poor that people, good, honest people, are being deliberately played by the, pre, the media and governments. And we're meant to sit here and take all this. And we do this podcast to try and give you a different perspective about how you view these things. And I know that people listening in their own country can find me plenty of examples of what I've been talking about. And it was only last week or the week before we were talking about the Brazilian people trying to take the, the government to uh, the, the president to court for uh, human rights for somebody from dying in the pandemic. Mm-hmm. You know, so we, we have to look at these things and say, how long do we play dead for? Like, how long do we pretend we don't know what the hell's going on here? Because it's not right. And, it, and it's deliberately being fueled in ways to tug at our emotions rather than telling us the truth and being honest and having a way of life that we can all be proud of in, in, in this planet. And so do I think that tomorrow they could stop the whole climate thing? Yes, of course they could. Could they? Well, I'm going to remind you of something uh, a sportsman said last week. He said, it's quite interesting that they allow this kind of thing of racism in sport to carry on and on, because we've had another incident this week about Yorkshire cricket <coughs> board <coughs> not properly investigating when one of the players was deliberately raced, um, uh, a victim of racism. Oh and, and they, instead of investigating it, which they didn't do at all, they hung him out to die for, for bringing it up in the first place, because it was just banter, yeah? <laughs> right, wow. now, so what I'm saying to you is, it's like, this, they, he, what, a sportsman last week, I think it was the week before, said, you know what, if you see how quickly they change things in sport, like overnight, both the TV and sport can stop things straight away. Uh-huh. They showed us over the pandemic, but also many things that they, they put a stop to immediately. Yeah? And yet racism is allowed to run and run and run. If they just stopped it tomorrow, it would go. But because they... They play with it with kick gloves it allows the racists to carry on but here's the thing i i don't think that that would even stop racism it would disappear from our oh, screen i have to tell you it would oh, okay yeah okay you're being but what i mean is it would st- the point about it is it would stop it being in the gra- in sports grounds that's the point yeah. and that's where your starting point is you, you may not stop individuals from being racist and and there are some arguments to certain people who for example abused english footballers uh, after the, uh, the that tournament that went, were often from other countries around the world and just sending, uh, you know, social media posts from where they were. But, but the point is, if you say there's any racism in this crowd, like there was an incident where Hungary, Hungarian fans abused English players. If you sort of said, right, you're not playing for a year, they won't carry on. They don't want to not see their club for a year, their country for a year. It's not going to happen. So you could stop it tomorrow if you want. To, if you had a, if you had an honest desire to do that. Where is the social conscience? That's the question, Jermaine. 
good. That's what we've been leading to for 30 minutes. Now, where is the social consequence? And why are we allowing our leaders to lead us in a way that mm. doesn't have that as its priority? Do I think that they could change the climate much quicker than, they, than they're planning to do? Absolutely, I do. Sure. Absolutely, I do. Like, if there was a conflict tomorrow, I guarantee you they would find weapons and military to go all over the world. <laughs> I'm telling you. And we already had a huge budget for defence this year. Yeah, but so, imagine the one if we, there was actual conflict. Imagine America and, right. and England went to war with, let's say, just say for argument's sake, Russia, just for the fun of it, right? Mm -hmm. Both sides would find huge amounts of weaponry and armory and armor and army out of nowhere. Out of nowhere. Like, wait, we're in austerity. We've been in austerity for ah, 10, 15, 20 so years. That only, now. that only comes back when, when it's about poor people. When, right. when it's oh, actually for, oh, any, when it's for anything like a war, it goes <sighs> out the window. Look, you know perfectly well if that thing with France had escalated, they would have found money and they'd have found boats. Mm -hmm. And they'd have found soldiers and they'd found ways of paying the soldiers when telling us for the past two years they got no money to give us people on the lowest lowest income in the country had their income cut by a quarter because officially covid's finished so isn't it embarrassing that you have such poor people in your country and you kind of you take the money back that you gave them in the conflict uh, in the in the pandemic because it's over, rather than saying, well, you're, you're starving anyway. Well, why don't we just leave you the money? We know all the bills are going up next year anyway. Why don't we just leave you the money? Or why don't we increase your money? But instead, they say, no, no, we're going to have it back. Like it was some loan. Your poverty has is, got a loan. And this, this is truly that whole, like, resonancy with colonialism. It's, it's, can, it's a consistent theme. It seeks to invade, to usurp, to take control of, and then to order around. But someone once said, judge the country on how it, it treats its immigrants, because I guarantee you in poor times, that's how they'll treat you. And this is coming to fruition right now. So it's actually very, very clear that the appalling nature this government has done and America, etc., have done with immigration is coming to haunt the poorest people in that country as well now. And as soon as you have this discussion, right-wing folks start talking about homeless veterans and what have you, who are part of the, the very people I'm talking about right now. Right. Who do you think we're talking about? So people are talking about, oh, you know, these are people on benefits, don't, you know, don't feel sorry for them. These are the veterans that you're talking about. What do you think they live on? They're on the streets. They're living on benefits, if, if anything. So, so don't have that double standard with us because it's ridiculous. It's like the people that marched into Capitol Hill all that time. Oh, we're doing it for the, for the poor white men. No, you're not. No, you're not. Because you're not doing anything to help them. And in fact, you're backing Trump, taking money away from them. No, you're not. <laughs> Oh, they got played. They got played so yeah, hard. Yeah, but, but it, you know, we see it kind of humorous because of the way it, it transformed. But but what it does is reveal a certain mentality in mm. these countries right now. It's, it's like, you know, people, uh, we used to be a thing called, um, years ago, called the Nouveau Rich, people that weren't rich, but thought of themselves like rich. And they were much more 
condoning and much more um, subjective than the actual wealthy who don't care. They're, they're almost affluent about it. They don't have no real emotion to it. They're just indifferent. But these people were like, started having morals and things, oh, we can't convert and you can't do this. They started laying down a whole law thing because they didn't want their role to be observed. Not that anyone was trying to observe them, but they were just making sure no one threatened their position of the nouveau rich. And this is what we're talking about. These people who are not that wealthy themselves start thinking of themselves as the landed gentry because they've, they've got a mortgage or something. Ridiculous. Completely it's incredible. It's incredible the, the perceptions that people have of yeah. people benefits. Yeah, yeah. You're also, you're also on the same side. We're on the same side. No, here. apparently not. Apparently not, Jermaine. <laughs> it's like who who are you who who are the real who's the real enemy here? Who's who's like I'm I'm this Well there you go. There you go. And also and you might want to also bring in at this point, also bring up the idea that every now and again we then have these campaigns to stop things like domestic violence well it shouldn't be about stopping it it shouldn't be there in the first place why do we why do we live in a world where there's a domestic violence how low can the human race be um lower itself with things like behavior like that it, i mean it's just it, for me it's like wow so like you know we're talking about policemen that, that rape and, and uh, abscond children and 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 women i mean really that's your police force it, it's a shocking, shocking. Um, but reality. all I'm saying to you is, I don't understand why it's allowed. I don't understand not why. It's, I don't understand how we got into this position that these are normalities for us. It shouldn't be a discussion point. There just should not be domestic violence. There shouldn't be. There shouldn't be honour killings. There shouldn't be anything like that. There shouldn't be attacks on people because of how they choose their sexuality. I mean, how how primitive are the people that are doing these attacks? How cavemen? How cavemen are they in their mentality? And 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 these are distractions from all the stuff we've been talking about for the past half an hour, because it suits our governments to bring it up every now and again. In the same way, it brought suited our government to talk about this conflict with France over fishermen, which lasted about a week, and then our government stood down quietly in the background when the climate thing was taking over. Right. Boris was a, hoax, a giant hoax. He's gone up there for a couple of days and yeah, then yeah, it was totally. in the papers that, oh, Boris is returning. It's like, what? What's going on? And also, ah, and also right. it was the, the ship that had been absconded by France was suddenly returning back. There was no conflict. <laughs> there was no war coming out. So it just, it, I mean, you know, this is just playing. A couple us, of man. handshakes. A couple of handshakes and uh, nods. And, well, they're uh, playing us and... And in the 21st century, we should be better than this. And I've always said this to you, uh, I've always said this to you, that if we got invaded by some alien space force, the whole planet would have to bond together. And then you suddenly see what we're capable of. But it's quite interesting that, that, that people are talking about how Marxist the things like the, COVID, the uh, climate response is and the COVID responses are that the world community as a whole is acting together. It's a very Marxist, it's a Marxist kind of way of thinking, a collective response. <laughs> and that's why, to make sure they're not going Marxist, they're extra hard on the poorest people. They want to make damn certain that they're not really Marxist. 
So they want to hurt the poorest. So we sit and watch as they hurt the poorest of the community. I mean, you know, this country has lost thousands of old people in there because they were in care homes and we didn't protect them. And the whole point of a care home is to protect people. I mean, can you imagine the word care? What does it mean? If it isn't protecting people, what is it doing? And it's not the individuals that work there. It's the system that took people from hospitals without tests in case they had the virus and put them in old age homes. That's crazy. It's preposterous. I mean, you, you wouldn't even do that with animals. You wouldn't take a couple of, say your own dogs or cats, you wouldn't put them in a, in a, in a kennel that's full of rabies. Why would you? Right. It makes no sense at all. Absolutely befuddles me. And 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 now we're seeing even more ridiculousness with the with Boris's comments to the rest of rest of the world and then he shooting oh, off yeah. back down to, to, <laughs> yeah. to London, back down to Westminster. Thing here. What's so going he's on? telling the world that they need to act now or we're or in a crisis climate. We have to get it sorted so that by twenty thirty or 2040 or 2050, we've captured. Hold on, we could do it tomorrow if we had the the willpower. <laughs> and also, that would involve you not flying from Glasgow to London and getting right. the train, for example. And you can't get the train because it doesn't run on time. You can't rely on it because how poorly it's been run. Hello, left foot, By right foot, exactly. Companies. Left foot, right foot. We privatise the whole rail system. It costs five times more to go by train to Glasgow than it does by plane. Think about that. It's unbelievable. Unbelievable. I have to say it's been a, this, this last few days has been a myriad of emotions yeah. and events. Um, I think we've covered it quite well. I that. think we need to do a, a podcast on Maybe we can encourage people to write in or phone in or whatever. Give me reasons to trust our our leaderships around the world. <laughs> yeah, please. And I want to have a competition. There's a special prize for the person who comes up with the best reason for us to trust the people that we've been talking about for the past forty minutes. Yeah. Good idea. Good idea. A Christmas bonus prize for anyone who writes in and gives us a good reason, one that we could broadcast. As to I don't just say because they're good because that's not going to convince us really, is it? After all, we've been talking about. You need to really because of why you think on any level they're trustworthy. Care of Thames Television, London WC7, and you can win yourself a. <laughs> oh man! Wow, it's been uh... yeah, it's been an interesting one. I um, um, just want to I, let people know if we put this out tonight or tomorrow just to let people know that tomorrow night if you're around if you if you can get on Clubhouse we're going to be doing a special on Clubhouse to do with the the climate conference with someone who actually attended so if you get if you're around at uh, it's 9 o'clock uh, 9.15 9, 9, yeah 9.15 9.15 on Friday the 5th that's bonfire night but that's 9.15 UK time it. Come find that's, us on Curious Anarchy Safe House on Clubhouse. Jermaine, that's 9.15 in the evening, UK time. Yes. So if you're anywhere else, you'd have to do the maths of where you stand with UK time. But in, in England, in London, it will be 9.15. And we'll be doing a special Clubhouse, if you can get on Clubhouse, about... Um, What's happening the whole, inside The whole conference. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
in, in Cop Out 26, yeah, exactly. So um, that'd be great if you can listen. So if we can put this out today or tomorrow, then you hopefully be able to hear that and, and tune in on time. I've been sitting here with one of the most uh, invigorating and exciting hosts of any show you'll see anywhere in the world. His name is Jermaine Gregory. Thank you. And I've been sat here uh, remotely opposite one of the most talented and informative uh, podcasters I know of. His name is Mark Wilson. See, and that's why he's so good, because his sense of humour is better than anyone's. Um, <laughs> and, and you've been listening to a very, very curious, anarchistic, curious muse. It's been a pleasure to sit here to spend this time with you. I hope you've all appreciated um, what's been shared in this episode. Please do go back and check out our previous episodes right back to January the 19th, our Ooh. very Ooh. first Ooh. team, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. It's been an absolutely amazing journey. Um, we have the YouTube now, which is up. The astrology series is wow. on YouTube wow. running. Um, we have the event, as you so extricably, ultimately, sensationally uh, brought up there. You just just wove that into the conversation. It was amazing. Um, this is why we do a podcast together. Um, oh, just one other thing to let people know. And, uh, you know, we just asked you if you want to write it, if you can tell us. But there's another thing. I want to challenge anyone out there who's listening. Find me another podcast that one of the co-hosts is three years old. Yeah. <laughs> and he's in bed as well right now. He's in bed so, yeah. studying up he's, for the podcast tomorrow. He's studying he's, up. He's had such a long day. <laughs> but he's, he's revising now so he knows what to say tomorrow. That's good. Yeah. Good lad. In the dream realm. Of in the dream realm, yeah. Um, it's been amazing. It's been wonderful. It's been fantastic. And it's been pensive. Thank you, Mark. Really appreciate your time. Thank you, Jermaine. This is Curious Anarchy Podcast with another episode of Curious Muse. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. I'm trying to think of something really uh, smart to say. Good night would be a good one. Yeah, let's leave it there. Good night. <laughs> this government's terrible. <laughs>